It's me, your friendly YouTube host, Dave Rubin. Today is December 4th, 2020. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message, and I'm here, and uh, before we get going today, uh, someone who I like, who I respect, uh, not a public person, just someone in my private life, said to me yesterday, they said, Dave, you know, your shows have really been great lately, and you're, you seem to be uh, telling the truth and bringing information to the people, but you've been using some colorful language. You've been busting out your glasses, you've been dropping F-bombs, you said MF'er, you've been saying some things, calling people types of bags that start with a D, you've been saying these things, and I wanna share these videos with my more conservative friends and family, but if you do that sort of stuff, it makes it hard for me to do. So I thought, well look, I can't self-censor myself, but I, I do understand that there is some legitimacy to that. And I would say in the last two weeks, as I live in this ridiculous state of California, in this particularly ridiculous city of uh, Los Angeles, that I've, I've been a little more fired up than usual. And I've actually been enjoying it, and I think you guys have been enjoying it as well. Um, but for today, I'm going to try not to curse, I am not going to say any mean language. I'm gonna to try to do it. I'm gonna to try to do it, despite the fact that my mayor has me locked down in my home. And I just wanna be on the record, I am not having a party at my house tonight. I just wanna be very clear about that. Trust me, I am not, I want, Garcetti, if you're watching this, I'm not having a whole bunch of people here for dinner tonight. That is so not happening. And I just, you know, why would you think that's happening? It's not, I'm not having people over. I didn't buy a whole bunch of food yesterday for party at my house tonight? That's crazy talk. Uh, okay, so uh, we're gonna hit a bunch of stuff today. Uh, we are going to play in just a moment this video of Joe Biden. He did a Love Fest interview with Jake Tapper. We're, we're back to the part of politics if Biden is to become president, which again, I'm still not sure about, and we'll talk about that in, uh, in story number two. Uh, we're back to the part where the, uh, the journalists, the journalists can just smile and nod along and, and be very chummy chummy with the politicians that they're interviewing and, and Tapper and Biden really did a number, but wait till Biden, wait till you see this clip. Biden accidentally tells the truth. That's one of the things he sometimes does. He accidentally tells the truth. Well, he did that, so that's gonna be the first story. Then the second story, and I'm, I'm sure most of you saw this already, but I wanna discuss it a little bit, is there is a video that's going viral right now it has been seen hundreds of thousands of times, if not, if not millions of times at this point, from election night in Georgia, and there is some strange stuff caught on a camera in one of the rooms where they're counting votes after they said they stopped counting. So I'm gonna put that video up there, and you, it's from OAN is where we originally uh, got the video, and you can see if you think there's something there, and obviously there are gonna be lawyers and forensic people and everything else looking into it. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, something doesn't seem right here. Are we allowed to talk about it or are you gonna put us on a list? Well, I'm gonna talk about it. Uh, and then the third story, and we're doing four today, the third story, uh, San Diego, which is about three hours south here in uh, SoCal, uh, the Unified School District is forcing teachers to attend white privilege training sessions and, you, and they're literally teaching about the book White Fragility and it's completely insane, and we're gonna show you some of the slides that they're showing some of the teachers. And then finally, and I, I love that we're ending on this story, uh, I posted a video yesterday that on Twitter that everyone thought was my video. We didn't know where it originally came from, so we just grabbed it. It's from a store called Kitson here in Los Angeles, which if, if you don't know Kitson, 
I don't even know that they're actually open anymore because who knows what's actually open these days. But Kitson is sort of like a high-end urban outfitters and somebody went to Kitson in West Hollywood. It's about two blocks from where I used to live a couple of years ago. And they did this incredible stream of anti-democratic candidates and, and Pelosi and, and Garcetti and Newsom and the rest of them, just all of the hypocr uh, hypocritical nonsense that these people have been spewing. They just did these beautiful window treatments uh, with all of them. So we're gonna show you that video. It's just absolutely perfect. And it makes me proud to think that even here in this crazy city of Los Angeles that, that people are standing up. And I'd love to find out who the owner of Kitson is and like what's going on there. It's just, it's just something else. All right, but let's jump into story number one. So Joe Biden did a little interview with Jake Tapper on CNN, the least trusted name in news. And uh, in effect, Tapper asked him, well, what happens if you and Kamala disagree on things? Well, let's take a look. But all kidding aside, the first lady to be told me she holds them for you. Yes, she does. But not with she's because she, she and yeah, Kamala have become friends. Yeah. But all kidding aside, it's it's a matter of the thing. We are simpatico on our philosophy of government and simpatico on how we want to attach, approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have. And when we disagree, it'll be just like so far. It's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C or D. And I'll say, I don't, I like A, don't like B and C. Mm -hmm. And let's go, okay. But, and I, like I told Barack, if, if, if I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Um, we, we don't have that. I'm a, we haven't, and we discussed at length mm -hmm. our views on foreign policy, on domestic policy, on intelligence. And the great thing is she has a background in the Senate on intelligence, the Intelligence Committee. She has a background in the Senate on a whole range of things that are going to be pertinent to what we have to do. But it's going to be, I think so much is going to be incoming, Jake. Yeah. It's a matter about who, 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 who takes what when. Yeah. That 78-year-old man is the purported president-elect of the United States. Now, let's just put aside the general mumbling and sort of the way he meanders around everything he's saying and he never quite gets there and uses a lot of extra words and all that stuff. The line, if he is to have a disagreement with Kamala, I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Now, I get it. He's kidding, even though he said all kidding aside right before that. But doesn't that feel like one of the ones that's just like sitting in the back of his head that they all kind of know is gonna happen here? Like, we all kind of know, and we know about how Nancy Pelosi was already talking about using the 25th Amendment before the election. Like, they're already setting the groundwork that obviously this man is not gonna be president for four years. And also, if he had a disagreement with Kamala Harris, he's the president, so wouldn't she be the one that would have to resign, not him, right? Now, I get it, he was saying it in reference to dealing with uh, Barack Obama when he was the VP, but like that sort of like accidental truth, you guys probably also remember that video, uh, what was it, about a month and a half ago or so, where he says that we are running, we the Democrats are running the largest uh, voter fraud organization in American history, something to that effect, and it's like, did he mean to say that? No. Why did he say it? Was it just sitting in the back there? Like, there's something rotten in Stinktown, as they would say. Uh, but the interview with Jake Tapper went on, and uh, Joe loves masks. Joe really loves masks, and let's take a look. 
Speaking of Fauci, uh, have you spoken with him yet? If so, have you asked him to stay on? Yes uh, and, and yes. Yes and yes. Well, and, well, tell me about the conversation. Well, As he said, what more needs to be done from his point of view? Well, look, uh, uh, my chief of staff has worked with him in the last uh, crisis. He's been talking to him all the time, Ron Klain. I talked to him today. We spoke today at 3 o'clock. My COVID team met with him. I asked him to stay on in the exact same role he's had for the past several presidents. And I asked him to be a chief medical advisor for me as well and be part of the COVID team. And so what has to be done is we have to make it clear to the American people that the vaccine is safe when it occurred, when that is determined. And number two, you have to make sure, as he points out, you don't have to close down the economy like a lot of folks are talking about now. If, in fact, you have clear guidance and you're able to say to businesses, okay, for example, bars and restaurants are going to close, but we're going to provide you the wherewithal to not lose your business like, we were, like the, the House had passed. And we're going to be able to reopen. We're going to be able to reopen in time and not to close down for long periods of time. We talked about masking. Uh, it is important that we, in fact, uh, the president and the vice president, we set the, you know, the, 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 the pattern by wearing masks. Yeah. But beyond that, where the federal government has authority, I'm going to issue a standing order that in federal buildings you have to be masked and in transportation, interstate transportation, you must be masked in airplanes and buses, et cetera. And so uh, it's, a, it's a matter of, and I think my inclination, uh, Jake, is on the first day I'm inaugurated to say I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask. Just 100 days to mask. Not forever, 100 days. And I think we'll see a significant reduction if we occur that, if that occurs with vaccinations and masking to drive down the numbers considerably. All right. So again, we've got sort of the mumbling and stammering and the rest of it. Let's just put that aside. Let's just focus on the last part there. When he takes office the first day, he's going to ask for 100 more days to wear a mask. 100 more days to wear a mask. Now, if he was to take office, that would be on January 20th, 100 days, that's over three months. That basically gets us into May. Um, do you guys remember back in March? Do you remember March? It was a long time ago. Uh, that was when we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. We all did absolutely everything that they asked. People stayed home. People wore masks. People did not go out. People did not see other people. We have done a multitude of versions of that in all of the different states. We have done all of these things. And now 100 days, a federal mandate, 100 days to wear a mask. Do you realize this, put aside that it's not constitutional. It makes no sense at any level. First off, the number 100. Oh, it's, oh 100 days will be fine. So 98 days won't be fine. 101 days, no, 100, I mean 100, it's a, it's a nice round number, so 100 days to wear a mask, and then everything will be fine. Sure, we did tell you two weeks to flatten the curve last time, but 100 days then we think we can get this under control. It's just a made up number. We also have something called federalism in the United States. This is the idea that states can make decisions for themselves. This is, this is one of the great, beautiful things that we have in the United States, that if you live somewhere, that you want to live, then it is good. And if you don't want to live there because you're under the power of people you don't like, perhaps in Los Angeles where you're locked down relentlessly, you can move to a place like Florida. This is a beautiful thing. I often talk about the foot vote and you can live in a place that's more in line with your beliefs. The idea that things should be done federally, 
especially because this is just arbitrary. Like if you think 100 days, he has no scientific evidence, 100 more days, guys, which by the way, we're still about, what, 40 or so days away from a day that he would be inaugurated. So for just 140 more days from now, if we were wearing masks, things would be okay. It's all just made up nonsense. Again, you can figure out what to do in your life. And then when you know he's talking about all of these other things, well, federal buildings, you, you'll wear a mask, but then in bars, we'll close bars, but we'll give them money. It's all these things. It's like none of it really works the way it's supposed to. People want to go back to work. They want to take a little bit of a risk. It is not the government's duty or responsibility to protect you from everything. There is something else going on here that I think has very little to do with COVID. And I'll just say one other thing, which is, if you wanna prove me wrong, then show me numbers. Show me numbers how in a place like Florida that is largely open, or a place in te like Texas that is largely open, show me how their numbers are so out of control compared to a place like New York and California. And you know why you don't see those comparisons? Because they don't exist. They don't exist. Florida people are living their lives again and making decisions for themselves. Florida, by the way, which has a fairly elderly population, right? People go from the Northeast and from the middle of the country. Where do they retire? They retire to Florida because it's warm. So you have an older population that's generally, as you get older, you get sicker too, so you'd think they'd be much more high risk. Yet Florida has figured out a way to open. So shouldn't their numbers be just significantly, I don't know, two, three, ten times higher than in places where we've been in relentless, endless lockdown, like California and New York? But you don't see those comparisons, do you? And the idea that the federal government is supposed to be in charge of the whole freaking thing just makes no sense to me at all. Uh, but as long as we're talking about, uh, oh no, you know what, let's, let's, let's move on from that because I think you got the point. I think you got the point on the COVID stuff. And again, I am not having people over for dinner and any, uh, any accusation of such is, um, that is just, well, I have lawyers, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, all right, let's move on because uh, the election still is not decided. Let's remember, Joe Biden is not technically the president-elect. There are court cases going on all over the place from Pennsylvania to Arizona to Georgia and elsewhere. Things are actually working through the court. I've been trying to show you guys over the last couple of weeks without giving you hope of things that I think are, are unable to happen. I've been trying to just show you, here's what's going on, here's what people are saying, here's what Sidney Powell is saying, here's what Giuliani is saying. We showed the video yesterday of Trump's lawyer saying that in Arizona, uh, they have 40,000 uh, votes that were put in twice. Well, they said they were submitting that to the court, so now we'll find out, and if it turns out to be debunked, then so be it, but these are things that are happening that you should know about, right? These are accusations that you should know about. Uh, so out of Georgia, uh, this video went viral yesterday and into today. It's still going viral now. We're gonna show you a clip from OAN, and this is from security footage, the night of the election. And if you remember the night of the election, wasn't there a pipe that burst somewhere in Georgia and they had to stop counting? And then suddenly, like those seven states that are all up in the air right now, Arizona, Pennsylvania, et cetera, Georgia, et cetera, uh, suddenly the, Trump had leads in all of them and then everybody stopped counting at once. Uh, here's video from OAN, this is the security footage, and they're gonna give you a little bit of an explainer. And watch that black table that you're gonna see there, and suddenly a uh, ballot box is being taken out from that black table. And you tell me if you think this is something. So according to the witnesses, the Republican observers, there is a lady who has blonde braids who comes out to announce we're going to stop counting. Everyone go home. 
And in fact, we see that. What happens is everyone clears out, including the Republican observers in the press, but four people stay behind and continue counting and tabulating well into the night from that point, which is going to be about 1025 when they all clear out, or 1030. And they will continue counting unobserved, unsupervised, not in public view, as your statute requires, until about one in the morning. The reason we know this is because when our Republican observers were forced to leave, they went to the Central Tabulation Center, and they got news from a, or word from a news crew that, in fact, counting had continued. They have information that not everybody left, according to plan, and some people stayed behind. So this shocked them, so they returned back to State Farm Arena at about 1 o'clock in the morning, where they confirmed that, in fact, people had just left State Farm Arena in contravention of what they had been told by the supervisors who are running this operation. Okay, so there's a lot there, and I think one of the problems with all of these videos, when you see these videos or you hear the testimony and everything else, well, first off, people have lives, and, and some people still have jobs, and it's hard to just watch hour after hour of testimony and people that sign sworn affidavits saying, with, with the threat in some cases of going to jail if they're caught lying, it's just hard to pay attention to all of those things. And it's like, wait a minute, are you, are you an expert or just a regular person? And somehow if they're a regular person, that seems less trustworthy. Like this whole thing is just messy on top of the layer, of course, that we don't have a media that, that honestly talks about any of these things. But in essence, what you are seeing there is after they said they were done counting for the night, suddenly these, these boxes of votes just appear out of nowhere from under this table. That does seem kind of odd. Well, that now is evidence and that will be presented in court and we'll have to find out more. All I'm saying is it's worth being aware that these things are happening. I know that makes a lot of people very, very angry, uh, but I hope, I hope that I'm at least honest enough that if this was happening in the other direction, I would still be talking about it. Because if we don't have voter integrity, we don't have anything, right? If we don't believe that when you go in there, you press that button, you pull that lever, you punch that thing, that that actually counts. It counts one time when you do it. And that then is tallied with everyone else's votes. And that's what gets us to the end of an election. And that that system works. And that's how we have Democrats sometimes and Republicans sometimes. And hopefully we'll have other parties in the future and everything else. That the integrity of the system works and matters. If we don't have that, we really don't have anything else. So I think it's worth looking at these things. And I would love to. You know what? In, in the Rubin Report uh, community, if you go to rubinreport.com, I'll be talking to you guys about it all day long. You can jump in there. Comment in the YouTube comment section as well. You guys have some discussions about it. Maybe you have some insight. Maybe some of you are election officials. Or maybe some, we've got some data scientists out there. Who knows? But something does seem kind of fishy. And the fact that so many people just refuse to talk about it makes the fish stink just a little bit more. Uh, okay, let's move on to the, to the next segment. Let's get away from, from the election and COVID for a minute and talk about racism, okay? Because the election's one thing. That's not really a problem. COVID, that's not really a problem. Racism, it's here. Everyone's racist and they're coming to get you. Well, in the San Diego Unified School District, they are now forcing teachers to attend white privilege training sessions. So we're gonna throw up some of the images here. It's just incredible. Uh, the first image that we've got here, this is land acknowledgement. And this is what they are teaching teachers to then teach the students 
in San Diego. We acknowledge that we meet on stolen land taken from indigenous peoples. I am speaking to you from Kumeye land. We must acknowledge the hidden history of violence against indigenous peoples in an effort to move towards justice. It goes on to talk about the book, White Fragility. As you know, this, this book, White Fragility, which is being pushed everywhere and has been debunked a gajillion times, I would recommend you check out James Lindsay's Twitter feed, James Lindsay, who I've had on the show before. Uh, what are some of the things we should know about white fragility? Well, emotions, racial stress that are stirred when making white people consider racial realities, because white people freak out if you say something to white people. Guilt, anger, apathy, frustration, closed-mindedness, and defensiveness. Those are all things that white people have. Uh, white fragility prevents us from having a racial dialogue. Actually, all we do seemingly is talk about race. Uh, we haven't had to build racial stamina from rarely having conversations about race. Again, we just constantly talk about race, turns race into the R word, all right? It's a powerful means of white racial control and the protection of white advantage. Again, I just wanna be very clear about something. If you live in the United States in 2020, no one cares what your skin color is. No one cares what your gender is and no one cares what your sexuality is. Are you a decent person? Can you work hard? If you can do that, you're probably gonna find a job. You're probably gonna find some happiness. You're probably gonna find a partner and a community and the rest of it. Teaching that whiteness is inherently evil, teaching that white people are there to oppress people, which is not only untrue, but is, but is a true perversion of all of the goodness of America that was largely founded by white people who expanded rights for everybody, uh, it's, it's actually just evil. So then they go on uh, to talk about how to be an anti-racist. And as I've been saying for quite some time, it's the anti-racists actually these days that are being the racists. Well, how can you be an anti-racist? You can confront and examine your white privilege. Now that's very strange to me because an awful lot of white people grow up in poverty, I think more than black people, but I guess they're white privilege when they're growing up in, the, in those uh, trailer parks. Acknowledge when you feel white fragility happening for you and slow down so you can listen, learn, and act. Behave white person, otherwise you're a racist. Be active, join and give to the community. If you give them enough money, they might be nice to you. Teach others to see their privilege. Read and educate yourself. Use your privilege. Examine norms and policies in your school and classroom. Learn the history of other ethnic groups than your own. We all do that. That's what America's all about. We're a melting pot. We're a melting pot and we know the stories and we do learn the stories and we actually, I think most people appreciate the stories, right? I have friends of all different backgrounds and they, they all came from different places, meaning their ancestors came from different places with different foods and traditions and all of those things. And that is the stuff that we actually celebrate in America. That, that's the idea of America. It's a beautiful thing. I don't, you know, and by the way, most of these teachers are probably lefties. So apparently they're all the racists that need to be taught all these things. Uh, then the, the next uh, little piece here, you are upholding racist ideas, structures, and policies. That seems like a pretty broad stroke to say that all the teachers are do, doing all of that. And then let's jump over. This is from reason.com uh, because it's just absolutely insane. They, they did a little deeper dive into all of this. And district officials evidently believe that the practice of grading students based on their average score is racist and that an active effort to dismantle racism necessitates a learning environment free of the pressure to turn in assignments on time. Okay, let's just think about that for a second. Grades, which are completely impartial, right? You take a test. It doesn't matter what your skin color is, what your gender is, what your sexuality is. You take a test. 
And that test is usually a pretty good barometer of whether you know what you're talking about or not. And then if you do well on that test, you can start learning more stuff and then you can move on to the next course. That all really makes sense and that's how things have always been done. But now, because of racism, certain people, based on the color of their skin, that would be too much pressure for them so they shouldn't have to turn in assignments when other people should have to turn in assignments. Does that really make sense? Is that gonna make those people work harder or achieve more or is that the soft bigotry of low expectations? I mean, think about it for yourself. It goes on, under the new system, students will not be penalized for failing to complete assignments. So you don't even have to complete them. You can turn them in late and you don't have to complete them. The grades they receive upon completion of a course will no longer reflect their average test and assignment scores. That is the scariest line I have ever read. Their gra the grades they receive upon completion of a course will no longer reflect their average test and assignment scores. Really think about that. So what will we be grading students on in San Diego? I thought LA was the stupidest place. Well, actually I thought, San well, technically I thought Portland, well, Seattle. It's hard to say which the stupidest place is, okay? San Diego, you're, you're making a move, you know, and that's tough. That's tough to make a move stupider than Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, and Los Angeles, okay? That ain't easy. Congratulations, San Diego. What is the purpose of going to school? I think, I'm old school. I know I'm old school. I thought that going to school is about learning stuff, right? You don't know some stuff, and then you learn some stuff because there are people before you who know some stuff, and they learn some stuff, and then they can teach it to you, and then you can go on and continue into the world. This systematic, they love talking about systemic racism, this systemic dumbing down of people, saying you're from this, so we must treat you differently, it's, it's anti-American, but also try to really play this out. Where does this end up? So you're gonna say to certain people, okay, you don't have to turn in your things on time, you don't even have to complete your assignments, and your grade won't have anything to do with your test scores. Well, okay, so now this kid gets an A, right? This kid gets an A. By the way, this is no fault of this kid, okay? He's just in the system, right? This is, this is why this is actually systemic. So now this kid gets an A. He didn't finish the, the, the projects. He didn't hand things in. You know, got a 22 on the test. Doesn't matter. Now he gets into a better school than the kid who worked hard and did all of the stuff because that poor schmuck is white. So now that kid gets doesn't get into the school, the other kid gets into the better school, the other kid gets into the better grad school, the other kid gets into the better uh, program after college, whatever it is. You see why we're gonna, we're, we're actually going to reward all of the worst things. So if you think that society is dumb right now, if you think we're at the beginning of idiocracy, well then we will be in idiocracy too, it gets more idiotic in about 10 years because what we will do is we will raise people based on things that have nothing to do with knowing anything. And then, imagine this, dear person. If you knew that the person who was flying your plane had bad grades in school, or didn't do well in school, but then the grades didn't reflect that. The grades just reflected their immutable characteristics, and then they were able to get into flying school because of that, and everything else. Would you want that person to be flying your plane? Let me ask you something. If you were having heart surgery, would you care about the color of that person's skin, or would you just want the person who was the best heart doctor? Again, I'm old school. I don't care if my doctor is black or white or gay or straight or trans or anything else. Do you know how to do the procedure? If you can do that procedure and you do it well and you've got a good track record and you know what you're doing, you can perform that procedure on me. But we are going to create a system where 
People who don't know what they are doing will be elevated and people who do know what they are doing will be punished for it. I don't like that system. I know, I know, I, I, I'm a radical. Again, I, I'm, I'm a freedom radical and I'm a radical when it comes to education. It's, it's very weird. Anyway, good luck San Diego and congratulations. Now San Diego has to be mentioned in the same sentence as LA, San Francisco, Seattle and Portland. Michael here is from San Diego and he's, he's just nodding, he's crying, I, I, he's crying. Oh no, I mean, just kidding. Nobody's here with me in my house at the moment. Just kidding, Eric Garcetti. And again, to, to even imply that I would be having a party at my house tonight is just absolutely insane. So I don't even know why anyone would say that. All right, one more thing as long as we're talking about Eric Garcetti, our buffoon mayor here in Los Angeles, who let's not forget just a few months ago was out on the streets with protesters without a mask and now he's locking us all down and cancel everything and don't walk your dog and don't ride a bike and everything else, which by the way, pretty much everyone is ignoring because people are good and sane. Uh, this video was taken in LA yesterday. I, I posted it and it went totally viral. I didn't know where it came from originally. I'm told that Don Jr., Don Trump Jr., posted it on his Instagram originally, but it's not credited. So if someone knows who posted this video, I would love to credit you and we'll, we'll do it in the comments if someone can let me know. But this is a video from Kitson's in West Hollywood. Kitson's, if, if you're not from LA, I think it's only an LA store. Uh, it's sort of like a high-end urban outfitter. It's kind of funky, you know, they got all the graphic tees, all that stuff. Well, as far as I know, the stores are closed right now, but they put up this spectacular, spectacular display of protest for the good people of Los Angeles. Take a look. I don't have to add anything to that. It's just spectacular. We're, we're seeing more and more of these videos, more good, decent, hardworking Americans who are fighting back, who are pr uh, protesting and resisting in any way that they see fit. And they're doing it peacefully, by the way, right? Like none of the 
mean Trump supporters or the anti-lockdown people or any of this stuff are doing it violently. They're trying to go about their lives and do it the best way possible. That, that's a beautiful thing. And that's like art. Like that's actually true art. Like when's the last time you saw some art that really moved you? When's the last time you listened to a new song that moved you or watched a new show that moved you? It's pretty rare these days. We're, you know, as the system sort of grinds into this, this sort of awful postmodern thing that we're in right now, I have been thinking about this a lot. Like we need new stories, we need new art, we need new things that can say something to us. That actually says something and, it, and it's a pretty beautiful thing. Uh, so that's it for today. I realize I did not put on my fake glasses, but you know, I am trying my fake newsman glasses, that is. I am trying to, uh, I'm not gonna curse today, I'm not gonna call out any of the, uh, of the politicians directly. Uh, so I will tell you this though, uh, watch part three of my discussion with Douglas Murray, it just went up this morning, and of course you can watch the full episode totally ad-free at rubenreport.com, and have a good day everybody.